Hey, parents, Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. I like tra- to travel a lot less than I did. I was much easier traveling than, than now. Like, I don't want to be away from my kids. Mm-hmm. Hey, as I was leaving to come here this week, my, my four-year-old son tur- turns to me and he goes, don't go to Nashville, Dad. Don't go no. to Nashville. And I was like, that is the, that is the saddest thing. I, I, it, like, it, it tears your heart out. You're like, why are you doing this? I, I did inform him. He's like, how am I going to know when you're back? He's like, well, because I was coming back late at night. I'm coming back late at night. And he says, how do, you, how do I know that you're going to be back? He said, I'm going to come in your room. I'm going to take pants out of your drum and put them on your head. <laughs> and he said, and That's so cute. And he said, okay, so tonight. I like Ben the dad. We don't get this of the Ben. Like, yeah, this is actually no, great. Yes. Do your best to give a summary of the history of Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro. The actual history is that, uh, thank God, I've had a really, well, when I say privileged life, I, I don't mean privileged in terms of economics. I grew up in a house with three younger sisters and all four of us shared one bedroom in a two-bedroom house with one bathroom until I was 11. So uh, it, it really isn't a, it, it really isn't privileged that way. I'm privileged because I have an amazing set of parents. I have a two-parent family. Uh, I, I have great siblings. Um, I grew up in a, a really solid community that, that shared, I think, a, a really great set of values. Uh, I was able to go to good schools and I was able to have excellent teachers. Uh, and my parents made sure that I, I learned from as many people as humanly possible. They opened a lot of doors for me to be able to uh, to experience different ideas, uh, and you know, be, because of that, and because I'm, I'm, I tend to be pretty hungry for knowledge. Uh, I spent an enormous amount of time at, outside, in, in and outside of school, reading, educating myself, becoming good at what it is that I do. And I spent a lot of years perfecting that. I mean, I've been writing syndicated columns since I was 17 years old. I'm now 37 years old, so I've been doing this for 20 years. Uh, and uh, and you know, you try enough things, and you fail at enough things, and eventually you get good at things. And and I think that's the story of this company. Uh, I think that's the story of sort of my career. I think most, and the most important thing about me personally is that I happen to be a fantastic father and a fantastic husband. The, the really, the, the, those, are the, those are the two most important that's things about matters. me. And I say that with, with all due humility. But I actually am really, like of the things in my life that I'm good at, I am the best at being a father and I'm the best at being a husband. I'm excellent at it. That's uh, And so I take great awesome. pride in that. I love that because I think family is the most important thing. Like it really is. Like none of it means anything if you don't have your family, um, if you don't have your family in order, if you don't have your house in order. And I think that that's kind of one of the things that we really get right as conservatives and the left really gets wrong with them trying to strip down the family because it all starts from there. If that's I mean, if that's if, if that's not right, nothing in your life can really be right. Um, I guess I don't, my, my story is very obvious, I guess, very opposite in that I came from nothing. I had a very disruptive um, household growing up, but I was very fortunate to have my grandparents. And um, when they saw what we were living in, which was you know, a roach infested apartment. Me and my two sisters shared a bedroom. My grandfather just said, I don't want my grandbabies to grow up like that because I work too hard for them to grow up like that. He grew up on a sharecropping farm, grew up in the segregated South, never ever heard from his mouth growing up in his household. I moved into his house when I was nine. Um, He's never uttered a one bad sentence about a white person. And so it was sort of that quiet knowledge. Um, He never ever said anything against white people. And I think 
just being able to sit around the breakfast table with him every morning. He was, you know, all about reading the Bible. We had to, we had prayers. We had to study from the Bible every single morning as he'd make us this big Southern breakfast. Like that is what shaped Candace Owens. That is the Candace Owens story. And it was happening subliminally. I mean, I did, I never, it never meant politics to me. I just knew my parents got something wrong. My grandparents got something right. And that's ironic because we're supposed to believe that the way my grandfather suffered is why we're dealing with all of this stuff now. My father obviously grew up in a later time, and yet he got something wrong, and my grandfather got something right growing up in the 40s. Married at 17, never, you know, divorced my grandmother, uh, you know, stayed with her until her dying day in 2013. So, you know, my story is my grandfather's story, and, and I think my perspective of the world is informed by how could I, as a black American, complain um, when my grandfather never did, and his first job was when he was five, you know, laying tobacco out to dry on a sharecropping farm. It's, I'm insulted by black Americans that complain today. Um, I, I'm genuinely insulted by it. I think we do our ancestors the greatest disservice, the ones who worked hard so that we could have these opportunities um, to walk into any room and to not say, look, me, I'm a black person and so I deserve this. Um, so the people that worked, uh, you know, didn't live through a day of strife are the ones with all the complaints. And my granddad was just sort of a no-nonsense, you're gonna work every day um, kind of guy. And he's he still remains the greatest blessing and the, the biggest influence in my life. Out of the two of you, which one trends on Twitter more often? I think I, tread, I trend more violently, if that makes any more sense. I was gonna, I, I kind of think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of think that's true. Although right now it seems like there is this sort of ping pong effect where you trend and then I defend you and I trend. Right. Or vice versa. Or vice versa, yeah. So it's good, we, we've created a sort of Twitter dynamic here. Right, but I think if you went back, he's probably trended more, but when I trend, it, it will last for 72 hours. I think that's right. Yeah. When you guys find out that you're trending, what is the process from there? Do you stop and look at everything, or are you just, just a normal part of your day? Always so, late. We both always find out like 12 hours after the trend has started. Yeah, so I tend to trend disproportionately on Sabbath, so I don't find out until <laughs> after Sabbath is over. I'm like, wow, that's, I had a good day, so I don't really care. But it, <laughs> it, it, it actually, it used to bother me. Like two, three years ago, it used to bother me, and I actually did remove Twitter from my phone. So I don't actually have Twitter on my phone specifically because I don't want to know. And I figure I have enough people who work at this company that if something is really bad, they'll let me know. And it's never anything bad. It's always something dumb that Media Matters took out of context and that makes perfect sense in context. And it trends for no reason. Right, exactly. I feel the same way. I feel like it's usually something really stupid. And when I look at it, I'm like, what am I even trending over? And as of recently, it's been extra stupid because it's surrounding Cardi B. <laughs> when was the first time that you both heard about the other? I knew about Ben. I know the first time I started watching his videos, um, when I started working for Turning Point USA, when Charlie Kirk first um, reached out to me and wanted me to work for Turning Point, he said, Every single day you need to train to debate because they will try to kill you before you can even become big. And he gave me a video of Ben Shapiro on stage with Black Lives Matter. And it's an epic video, by the way. Oh, thank it's you. like one of the best videos. Yeah, it's an older one, yeah. He's like completely by himself. And there's like three woke Black Lives Matter activists and he shuts the entire room up, including them, by asking them, uh, you know, just about their entire ideology. I mean, I can't even do it. Like I would do it completely. I'd like to see if you're on the spot because it's pretty amazing. <laughs> but I think he was just fired up and they all just get quiet talking about black on black crime and black culture. And it's pretty beautiful. So I believe the first time I heard of you is when you were working with, with Charlie. Right. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd obviously, that's the first time that I, I know I'd come across your name before. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure it was because of one of the viral videos that you had made talking about race in America and saying things that no one else will say. And I was like every other conservative going, 
who is this? And how does she have the bravery to say this? So that was, that was a new one. Yeah. Which one of you would win in a debate? What are we debating? Hmm. It's a good question. That is a good question. It's a good question. It depends on what we're I feel we're like there are certain subjects. There's definitely going to yeah. be some topics that Ben's going to be like, you know, he could probably hand me my ass. And there's definitely going to be some topics that I think I could hand him his, his ass on. I think that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> How should people respond to the cancel mob? Um, I mean. <laughs> Pretty much me. If you, don't, if you start apologizing to the left, you'll never stop apologizing. So don't apologize ever for anything to them. Because for them, it's not about them actually wanting an apology. It's what they actually want is submission. They just want to see you submit. And you should never submit to somebody that's just looking for dominance. Never show your neck to somebody who's seeking to chop off your head. Yep. Can political conservatives ever be canceled, or is it just people who come out as conservatives? Well, I mean, I, listen, I think there are certain rules that if you violate them, it's a problem. I'm not going to pretend there are no rules in the public discourse. There are certain people who say things that are so wildly out of bounds that right. it's very difficult to defend mm -hmm. the things that they say. Um, but uh, I, I will say that, typically speaking, you can only be canceled by your own side. Uh, it's, it's people who come out as conservatives who are in real danger because those people have not yet established a base inside mm. conservative movements. Uh, so if you are working in Hollywood and you're not openly conservative, you can be canceled because the people who surround you are not mm -hmm. people who you can trust. But if you're you or if you're me, and in and, and that way, we're safer than a lot of the people who are you know, in Hollywood and who are living undercover. Right. For us, we get to say what we want for a living. Yeah. And if the left comes after us, so what? We have a huge base of people who support us and love us and, and back what we do. But I'm not going to pretend that it's easy for people who are out there. There are a lot of people in, in kind of the conservative side who say, well, you know, no matter what your job, you should stand up and you should speak out right now. A lot of those people have families to support right. and I have a lot of sympathy mm -hmm. for them. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's actually, that's a really solid point. Like you're more at risk if you're lying about who you are. Because if you're already out and you are who you are, then it's like, all right, well, you're amongst friends and really it would take a mob of conservatives to be upset with something that I did to really cancel me because I obviously the left's not going to take you. You don't want to be on the left and the conservatives won't have you. So I think that you kind of nailed that answer. What is something that you're most proud of in your career? Yeah, what have you I mean, done, Ben? I mean, so, well, I, mean <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, for me, it's the, number of, it's the number of people who I get letters from who say that they have not just switched their, their political viewpoint, which is nice, uh, but they've actually changed how they live their lives. I get a lot of these kinds of letters from people. Thank God. It means that uh, you know, when they listen to the show, they're getting something more than just the politics from it. But people who say that they felt like their, their life was on the wrong track. You know, they, I've gotten letters from women who've said that they've not had abortions because they've listened to the show. Wow. Uh, or men who've said that they uh, were, were thinking about breaking up with a girlfriend who was pregnant and said they got together and they got married and he got a job. I've got a lot of those kind of letters. People yeah. who have decided that they were going to get a job and... Uh, I got one letter from a guy who said that when he started listening to the show, he was homeless, and then he decided he was going to uh, somehow enroll himself in college and wow. go to law school. He ended up, at, I believe, at Harvard Law School, according yeah. to him. Uh, you know, th those kind of stories are, are pretty amazing. And it does wow. show you that politics has outsized influence, especially when you're discussing things that aren't just politics, but deeper values underlying politics. Yeah. I would say two things that I'm proud of. The first is that I never compromised who I was, and um, I think that that's really hard. Uh, well, you know, when you're in the political space, because there's a lot of temptation to compromise who you are and uh, people telling you what you have to be. And I think I've stood firm on that. But then secondly, which is more in the line with what we are saying is nothing makes my heart um, feel bigger than when a black person comes up to me and says, I feel like you gave me my life back. And it's such a heavy compliment because I know exactly what they're saying. Black people in particular don't even it's like running around and not realizing that you're in prison you know, and, and then suddenly somebody says to you, it, I mean, I always, I always say it's like 
the allegory of the cave. You know what I mean? You don't even know that you're living in this cave. You have no idea that these are shadows on the wall and it's not reality. And then suddenly somebody goes, oh, wait, here's all of this, the entire world outside. And you can see for the first time. And when so when they say that to me, when they say, Candace, I feel like you gave me my life back. That's how I felt. I felt like Thomas Sowell gave me my life back. I didn't even know that my life was taken away. So that compliment always hits me the hardest um, because I just I've been there before. What is something about you that you think each other would be surprised to know? I think I'm probably nerdier than people probably have me pegged. Like me and my husband, it's weird. I think people don't think I'm as much of a bookworm as I am. I'm very much into books. And I think when I first hit the scene, probably so many people were like, oh, she's just doing the like cute servative thing. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I'm I actually love to read. I've always been a bit of a dweeb and English was always my favorite subject. So I love like the greats, Plato, Aristotle, like all that stuff. And I think that that probably doesn't read when I'm like smacking down celebs on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, for me, obviously it's that I'm a platinum award winning rap artist. (laughs) If you just looked at me, you wouldn't know that. But but the truth is that I do do a version of WAP that absolutely slaps. (laughs) It trends. It, It does. Okay, here's the thing. You wouldn't be that bad of a rapper because you speak fast. Oh yeah, and if you talk fast, you you all you need is a little bit of flow and some rhymes, and you probably would actually kill it. I will never try that. <laughs> that, sound, that sounds we'll amazingly terrible. Yeah. We'll never know. We'll It'll never just be know. a mystery mm-hmm. wrapped in enigma forever. <laughs> what is your least favorite part of being a political commentator? Oh, I one hundred percent would say it is the exposure unnecessarily that my family has to it. Meaning that like it's very difficult, I think, for my sisters when they go online and people are debating me. So it's like I don't care whatever I have to receive, but it always sucks when people that I care about who have nothing to do with this lifestyle suddenly have to answer for statements that I've said and things that I believe in. So I think that's probably that's definitely a good answer. For me, it was probably the security that has been attendant around everything. Uh, So it went from being I could walk around anywhere without any security to my wife having to get used to security, my kids having to get used to security. Mm -hmm. Now they think it's natural because they've had it since they were very small. Um, But it's at at the beginning, it was it was a bit of a a culture shock for them. Unfortunately, it's 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 a nasty world out there. And, you know, it. Twitter is just a terrible place. It's just right. a, a terrible place fill, filled with horrible people. It is hell on earth. So naturally, it's where we make a good deal of our money. So right. <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. Family. Uh, you're both stranded on a desert island separately. What Not are, with Cardi B. <laughs> what are three things you'd want to have with you? A family? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, it can't be people. So um, I Things are or people, yeah. Yeah. Things. And I assume there's enough food. Right, I mean, because otherwise this is a real short stay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, well, yeah, if there's food, because let me just be frank about this. In an apocalypse, I'm the first one to go. Right, like my skill set just does not apply in an apocalypse. Right, if there's a zombie apocalypse, like I can't do plumbing. I, I'm not, I, like, I, I'm not a great shot. Like, I'm, I, I can, I can talk to the zombies, but I feel like it won't be super convincing. <laughs> Like so, my my skill, my yeah, exactly. My skill set just does not meet with the with the approval of pre civilization. (laughs) So it's so yeah. I mean, but if if the question is what can I bring with me, Uh, copy of the complete uh, Tanakh, which would be the uh, the Old Testament, the prophets, and the writings, Um, the uh, complete works of Shakespeare, and uh, the complete audio playlist of probably Beethoven. Guys, he just took all all books. Well, Beethoven, I guess, the audio playlist of Beethoven. Music's a good one. Music is a good one. Gosh, I don't know what I would take. That's really hard for me. I don't know. I, I mean, I definitely would take a Bible. 
but it would be one object. Well, I don't know about the other two. If I can't take people, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I feel like I don't have that much of an attachment to anything that's on this earth that I'd be like, I must take this without me. It would always, it would always be people, you know, it would be my husband. I'm actually, by the way, if you're trying to survive, I'm pretty, I can cut a pipe. My, my dad was a plumber, so I'm, I'm, oh, no, I, you, can, I have no question. I'm like, good. Of, here's the thing. If you need to you take take me. So number but, one, you're going to be hundred percent more useful than I am, but yeah. that's true of every single person who's in this room, in this building <laughs> and probably in this city. <laughs> Right, like I'm a trained lawyer, okay? Like I'm the person that they kill for food first. Know. Like in a cannibal the situation. Zombies might get it together and you In a like, cannibal right, situation, listen. my only saving grace is that I am not a large person, yeah. <laughs> right? Because I would be certainly the first to be sacrificed, without a doubt. Yeah, I feel like we have to get you, like remember the survivor on an island? That would be some really good reality TV. Survivor with like Ben see, on an island. See, I, 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 feel like, I feel like naked and alone, I, I'm toast, right? Yeah. Survivor, I'd be okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can manipulate my way out of that. Yeah, right. Come on, like that's that's. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, convincing. That's all right. you really need to be. Exactly right. Convincing. You don't have to be good at anything yeah. to survive. You just have to be convincing. And yeah. there, I feel like I, I could I could handle myself. Yeah. But if it involves like starting a fire, killing an animal, yeah. Like no, this is where's the supermarket? Yeah. Where, <laughs> are there matches? Like, well, yeah. Yeah. This this makes no sense. Yeah. How will conservatives know when we're making progress in the culture war? I think we are now. I think the fact that we were just asked. You know, how do you respond to all the times you're trending? I mean, the only reason we're trending is because the left is threatened by us um, and we're able to drum up enough conversation regarding what we've said or, you know, regarding what we're doing. And I think that that is one of the good things about Daily Wire is they understand that there is this this huge hole, this vacuous space right now being created by the cancel culture um, where eventually Daily Wire could be the new NBC, ABC, because, you know, cancer culture is a cancer and it will eventually eat itself and something else will have to pop up in its place. Um, so I think conservatives get that and we're kind of kind of out there doing what we have to do. I mean, Candace's rise in the cultural space is really an excellent indicator as to, as to where we are. I mean, the fact is that people who are you know, most respected and most successful members of the culture are responding directly to things that Candace is saying because they are concerned that conservatives might be making inroads in this particular space. and. Yeah, I, I think that they are going to, the, the left is just going to continue to provide the right with opportunities by taking popular things and destroying them because they have to destroy everything that is good and decent about the country right now, including all of its fundamental institutions. The more they continue to destroy that stuff, the more ground they're going to open up for us. I mean, they, they can continue to, to do this, but they should understand that they are alienating a huge number of Americans. And there are those of us out there who are entrepreneurial enough to, to fill that space and provide alternatives. Yep. What do your spouses love or hate about what you do? My husband hates that social media is a part of what I have to do because it's such a time suck. I hate it too, though. So we agree on that front. It's just like I have to do a video and respond and do all of this because you kind of you have to be engaged in social media. At least I do in a way um, that's meaningful. Um, uh, what do you, I mean, he loves everything that I do. My husband's my biggest fan, so um, he's always amazed at things that I'm doing. And we're just such a great partnership. I mean, he is truly the business mind. I'm the creative mind, and it just works. So... So number one, how long have you been married? I have been married for, I should, just under two years. Yeah, so he loves what you do now. Um, <laughs> I've been married for almost 13 years. So, like, a long time. Uh, and, you know, it, it starts off with a lot of enthusiasm, Candace. <laughs> and over time, over time, uh, you know, certain things become more irksome. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Uh, well, to see into my future? Yeah, it, it, mostly just, the, it, it's always the time suck. And because, I mean, now you have a kid. So as, mm -hmm. as you have more kids and as the family becomes bigger and the time demands become larger, it's not just, I need to take off time to do a video. It's like, 
you don't have time to go to the bathroom, right? You don't right. have time to do anything. Like mm -hmm. all time is just gone. And the demands on the time are extraordinary. And so it used to be that my wife was deeply concerned with what happened during the week. And, you know, on a normal day, we'd sort of sit down and discuss what had happened at my work during the week. And now it's like we look at each other. It's 930 at night. The kids have finally gone to bed. They're going to wake me up at five o'clock in the morning. And we look at each other and we're like, OK, we can spend some time and talk about our lives or we can just collapse. And most <laughs> nights you end up just collapsing. And so that means that at the end of the week, she'll say, like, well, how was your week? I, was like, I don't even remember the beginning of this week. <laughs> yeah. right? So the, the thing that the thing that she she hates the most about my career is that it takes time away from, you know, all the stuff that actually matters, all the family kind of stuff. Uh, and the thing I do love the most about my wife is that she does not give a damn what I do. I mean, she really does not care. She, she doesn't, she, like, she finds it interesting and she follows it sort of, um, but she, she could not care less what, who we are meeting. Like, we've, you know, met every important politician in the country. She does not care. Right. Uh, we've met a bunch of celebrities. She does not care. Right. It's so charming. It's so wonderful. Yeah. I, I, I have so many great stories of her meeting people who are extremely famous and having no clue who they are. And it's one of the most charming things about her. It's right. also how I know that she, she loves me for me, number one, because anyone who marries me would have to love me for me because there really is nothing else to offer. But beyond <laughs> that, um, she, uh, we, we met when she was 20 and I was 23. Uh, oh, and, so uh, and so she, how did you meet? Where'd you meet? Uh, my sister fixed us up. She was at UCLA at the time and I just graduated Harvard law and I, uh, I came back and my sister said, there's this really beautiful girl who is going to UCLA and I think you're really going to like her. And I said, it sounds great. She said, but she's dating somebody else. I said, well, I can't do that. So just wait and, you know, and then about six months later, I was like, whatever happened to that girl? She's like, well, I think she's single now. Wow. And I was like, okay, great. And so we met, uh, our first date was September 5th. I proposed on December 20. December 15th, she accepted on of the same year. Oh, yeah. Wow. She, she accepted on December 22nd. And that was, <laughs> so, so we dated for about three months. Wow. And me uh, and my husband were two weeks from meeting to engaged. Really? Yeah. yeah I can't believe you beat me. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> no one, like, no normally, one will ever beat us. I know. Normally my story is like, yeah. wow, like three, three months. Three months. I'm like, wow, like, what took so long? So how did yeah. you guys meet? Uh, I was speaking in, it's actually one of the most hilarious stories that involves Russell Brand and Paul Joseph Watson somehow. I was speaking in London. That's a weird story. I know. Doing Russell Brand's podcast and I was supposed to like meet PJW for a drink really quickly because we had known each other from the Twitterverse, but I didn't know him. And because it was like, I didn't really know him, I was like, kept pushing him back because I was working and Russell Brand's podcast went over and three hours go by and I tell my assistant, like, just tell PJW, like, you know, we'll do it tomorrow. I'll try to meet him tomorrow. And she's like, no, there's like a dinner. He had his friends set up a dinner and there's 30 of the biggest politicians in the UK waiting for you. George Farmer, my husband, was the one who set up the dinner. And so I was three hours late to a dinner that was like done in my honor and literally saw him, knew the second I saw it, it was the weirdest thing. At, saw his face and I felt like I knew him my whole life. And he proposed to me, followed me back to America. I was speaking at, um, what's the thing at the end of the year that we did? SAS. SAS. Mm -hmm. Followed me back to SAS. We were engaged two weeks later. Everyone thought we were completely nuts. We had our first kiss. He, he, he apologized. Um, he um, proposed on a plane. Going well, that down. is the most romantic place. Yeah. Who did judge that? Yeah, literally, he was like FaceTiming me going down to South to South Africa, a proposal plane. I said yes. He had our first kiss, London Heathrow Airport, after we were engaged. Uh, wow. Yeah, Terminal Five, and we everyone thought we were nuts. His parents, my family, best decision I ever made. That, like we were just meant to be. That's a great story. Yeah, it and never happened that princess. way. And, if, and by the way, if my if my daughter or son ever came back, I'd be like, "You're not marrying for seven Are you crazy?" <laughs> 
<laughs> oh yeah. No, the thing I definitely learned is that as soon as as soon as my kids get engaged, within forty eight hours they're getting married. Yeah. <laughs> because the period between engagement and marriage is like the worst period in the entire world. I loved it's it. Terrible. I loved it. Of course you loved it. Yeah, I loved it. It was, of it was you did. everything's been such a walk in the park, and I don't know. I, I think I'm just getting lucky, but yeah, my marriage wife, has been wonderful. My, yeah, my 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 wife. She after I asked her to marry me, she was like because. The way that it worked is I told her that I loved her on November 15th. She did not say that she loved me until December 15th. So for a month, all of those conversations were super awkward. Right? <laughs> and, every, and every conversation. I, I love say, you. Okay. Bye. Bye. That's so nice, Ben. Um, bye. Right. It, exactly. So sweet of you, Ben. I Thank you. So for like a month. <laughs> but it actually turned out that she was not wrong because as soon as she said, I love you back, the first words out of my mouth were, okay, so we're getting married. Yeah. It's like, we're done. Okay. Yeah, done. Yeah. Mission accomplished. And she was like, can't we just enjoy this time? And like, you don't understand. I'm not enjoying this time. It's a very not enjoyable time. Like, now I'm sitting here. We love each other. And I have to, like, sit here and wonder if something's going to This is a very not enjoyable time. I love that. You so, execute immediately. Yeah, exactly. That's so. so sweet. Last question. How has parenthood affected your political views or career aspirations? Definitely has made everything more severe, where it's like, it's not just, it's just, it's not just a political debate anymore, yeah, right? Like, right. like we talk about like transgender restroom, we can get on stage, we can say a thousand times why it's wrong, why it's wrong. Well, suddenly when the people are starting, the politics sort of say, okay, no, we need some laws. Now we need to make sure that there's no, like California has proposed a bill. No boy or girl, like, okay, is my child going to grow up in this? Is this even the same America that I'm going to, like, that I grew up in? Like, is everything about race? My child's biracial. Like, it just, it's more severe now. It kind of is like, no, 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 no. I need to speak up even louder. If I wasn't loud enough before, like, and we need to just say, this is right and this is wrong. It's not between right and left anymore. It's between right and wrong. And this is why the danger of people that say they're too fearful to speak out, just now is not the time to be too fearful because this is, this, we don't recognize this country anymore if, we, if everyone just stays silent. So I think the severity has changed. No, that's 100% right. I mean, as soon as you have kids, all of a sudden, all the issues where you thought, okay, well, you know what, if you kick it down the road, is it really that big a deal? It, everything becomes incredibly immediate because you can see that in 20 years, you know, I'm 37, in 20 years, I'll be 57. Well, in 20 years, my kids are just going to be young adults. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're just going to be starting, you know, their, their life here. What are things going to be like? If things are this bad now, what are things going to be like in 20 years if we continue along this trajectory? Yeah. So there's that. As far as sort of how it's affected career, I, I like to, to travel a lot less than I did. I was much easier traveling than, than now. Like, I don't want to be away from my kids. Mm -hmm. hey, as I was leaving to come here this week, my, my four-year-old son turns to me and he goes, don't go to Nashville, Dad. Don't go no. to Nashville. And I was like, that is the... That is the saddest thing. I, I, it, like, it, it tears your heart out. You're like, why are you doing this? I, I did inform him. He's like, how am I going to know when you're back? It's like, well, because I was coming back late at night. I'm coming back late at night. And he says, how do, you, how do I know then you're going to be back? He said, I'm going to come in your room. I'm going to take pants out of your drum and put them on your head. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> and That's so cute. And he said, okay, so tonight. I like Ben the dad. We don't get this of a Ben. Like, yeah, this is actually no, great. Yeah, sil silly Ben is Ben the dad. My, yeah. my, kid, my kids don't know that I'm severe or harsh in any way. Yeah, kids, like, that's <laughs> not. They, they, no, they, they think that I'm just a giant goofball. I'm like, I carry them around and flip them around and throw oh, them up in the air and all that kind of stuff. So um, they, it changes it changes you that way. You, you take yourself a lot less seriously because kids will absolutely wreck you. Yeah. I mean, like they- Most they, honest people in the world. And, and also they're just, you realize that you're not in control of anything because the thing about kids, especially like when they're babies, they're super cute. But then as soon as they, you watch, when they hit about, it's not terrible twos, it's terrible threes and fours. Okay. Once they hit three, they turn into the worst people that ever lived. No, no, they're violent. They're, Toddlers are violent. They're, they're awful, awful little people. Oh, yeah. So they're innocent, <laughs> but they're terrible small children. And if they ever, this is why when people are like, yeah, a child should make up their own mind about their gender. It's like, I wouldn't let my kid, I wouldn't let my kid choose what to eat for dinner. Are you insane? Right. Are you a crazy person? 
kids are the worst people yeah. on earth. And, and when you realize that your job is to try and mold them yeah. and also that you have no control over them whatsoever beyond right. a certain point, uh, that, is a, that is definitely a different feeling. So it definitely, ki kids humble you, they make you take life a lot more seriously and also simultaneously not as seriously. And they expand your emotional boundaries. What I always say to folks about having kids is that when you're single, your, your spectrum of happiness to unhappiness ranges from about a seven to a zero, right? So right. zero is like you're pretty unhappy and seven is like you're pretty happy. Then you get married and your maximum happiness is like a 10 and your minimum happiness is like a negative 10 because if something happens that's bad to your spouse, yeah. then it actually affects you, right? So before you might have been a zero, but it's worse when something bad happens right. to your spouse. Absolutely. And then you have kids and all limits are removed. The best things that ever happened to you are your kids and by far the worst things that ever happened to you are things that have to do with your kids. Wow, And yeah. so it's it's walking a tightrope without any sort yeah. of net People always beneath. say the expression, it's like, you know, see your heart being out of your chest and walking around. And it's, and it's all and You have no time. control over where it's going. Oh you know? my God, it's, it's all horrible. the time. Yeah. Like when, when they do stuff that's wonderful, it's so wonderful. When mm -hmm. they do stuff that's terrible, it's so terrible. Yeah. And then they I'm take... so excited that I'm just starting this chapter because I think family is just the best. And I'm like, now that I have a son, I just, everything he does, I'm just like, he's the, look, he's perfect. He's amazing. Look what he just How did. dare you define his gender before he's 18? <laughs> he, how dare you? You're assigning him a gender, Candace. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah, how do you exactly. Know, how do you know how you, do you have know? a son? Wait until he, wait until he turns six and tells you. Wait until he dies. He might yeah. change a few times in between. Ridiculous, yeah. Boy, healthy boy. <laughs> we'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 